Our first reading is taken from Acts chapter 16. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel reading is from Mark chapter 5 verses 1 to 17, and this can be found in page um, 1006 in the Church Bible. They They went across to across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus and fell on his knees in front of him, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town guide, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. Those who had seen it told to the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus. It's a word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning to you. I'm long-sighted, but I'm not quite that long-sighted. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is um, your precious word. And Lord, we just want you to do with it as you wish amongst us. So, Lord Jesus, be glorified. Amen. Okay, well, almost a century ago, uh, give or take a year, um, my grandfather was fighting in the trench. 
He was a, a journalist by profession and uh, he carried a, a notebook in his breast pocket where I tend to carry my mobile phone. And one day, um, on his feet, um, wondered if he'd been shot, um, but he felt no pain and he was all right. But he, it didn't take long for him to realise that, in fact, he had been shot. Um, a bullet had actually been stopped by his, uh, his notebook, which saved his life. And without shadow of doubt, my mother would never have been born and I wouldn't be standing here. My grandfather survived the war, uh, obviously, uh, um, but entirely unscathed because 20 years later, my mother, as a child, remembered him waking in the middle of the night, shouting, gas, gas, or they're coming over. And these days, those days, it was called shell shock, and now we would recognise it as PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Either way, it's all too real. In popular culture, people uh, these days are encouraged to sort of tackle their inner fears, and it's often put um, at your demons. And there is no doubt that mental health issues are not particularly well dealt with by our society, um, and probably never has that that I know about. Um, mental health issues can be absolutely devastating. Arguably, there is, in my book, no pain as bad as mental anguish. Uh, that's not what these passages are about this morning. Uh, and I mention it really as just as an introduction because these describe me outside of our personal experience. For me, it's only twice in, in 40 years but they are real and they're not a metaphor for emotional distress. Let's just quickly recap these, uh, these two passages. So just very briefly. So the Acts passage. Paul and Silas are visiting Philippi. Philippi is the central city in an area um, called Macedonia. Macedonia these days is an absolute backwater. It's just north of Greece and um, and Albania, I think, to east and west, and I think above it you've got Kosovo. Um, so it's in the middle of nowhere, but it wasn't nowhere then. It was a very important city, uh, a place of prayer, and they seem to be going on a repeat basis, probably daily, um, probably by the river. And they're intercepted by uh, who says, they're telling you how to be saved. So initially, Paul and Silas seem to wear it. Oh, it's quite good publicity, actually, isn't it, really? And, uh, and then finally, Paul turns around, gets so fed up with it, he turns around and says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave, Spirit. The girl loses her, her power. Lake of Galilee, as you know, the Lake of Galilee is in the north of Israel, which is Jesus' main uh, ministry area with occasional trips down south to Jerusalem Lake, which is about eight miles wide at its widest and about, um, I think it's about 12 miles long, 14 miles long uh, from north to south. So it's a really substantial inland sea and there are lots of fishing communities all the way around there. And if you kind of have a look at a map, you'll think you'll be able to recognise the names because they crop up red Anyway, so 
the disciples are going across the lake to a particular area which is a little bit wild and woolly and, uh, and off the, the beaten track. And they are intercepted again by a, a very unfortunate, heavily demonized man who lives pulling up the boats and goes down and runs to meet him. And the encounter then follows uh, where Jesus casts out uh, the, the demons, multiple, um, and go into a herd of pigs and they all drown, which all sounds a little bit weird, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit for us um, in a minute. But the point is that neither of those stories is about mental illness. Uh, how many people here have read the C.S. Lewis classic, The Screwtape Letters? Uh, the book, if you don't know it, it's, um, it's a, an imaginary connection of semi-comedic letters from an old demon called Screwtape to asses get him off the track and seduce him away from finding Jesus. So as Screwtape coaches Wormwood, he suggests... A number of strategies. So here's one of them. My dear Wormwood, I wonder you should ask me whether it's essential to keep the patient in ignorance of your own existence. Our policy, for the moment, is to conceal ourselves. Not always been so. We really are faced with a cruel dilemma. Because when the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose all the pleasing results of terrorism and we make no magicians. On the other hand, when they believe in us, we cannot make them materialists and sceptics. I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark. The fact that our predominant if any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights. Persuade him he therefore cannot believe in you. Now, as we all know, Western rationalism is very scornful of the existence of demons, but we are actually in the word of God to mere fable. Furthermore, it's to our detriment because we're kidding ourselves and staying naive, and that's not good. Now, no football man... One, we are not told how this poor man or the girl came to be in that position. There are numerous stories in the Gospels uh, about demonization, numbers of them, and never once are we told the hows and whys of how they came to be like that. So why? what's the take-home point? Well, actually, we're not told probably for good reasons, and we should take the Bible's lead and not get too interested. Again, to quote C.S. Lewis, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Point two, why is it not healthy? There are probably several good answers to this, and you can think of them probably. 
Uh, here's my simple one, and it, for me, is good enough. Demons are mostly referred to as unclean in the passage, that, in the translation we read this morning, it was impure, sometimes referred to as evil. The point is that that is the polar opposite on all that is good and truthful and pure. And as you know, if you read your Bible, we are told to focus on, on those things, not on things that are the evil. Now, I guess that most of us have a few jobs that we don't really like. Um, ironing? Hands up for ironing. Or mine is cleaning outside drains. I really don't like it at all because they stink. And even if you double glove, uh, which is a surgical technique, somehow or other you can wear a boiler suit, an internal glove and marigolds and somehow, and it will stay on there, it will cling, your hands will honk for days afterwards. So if you, and it's similar to that really, touching evil will leave a mark and if you touch it, don't touch it. Why would you? Steer clear of evil in, in whatever form you can find it. And there are plenty out there. This is the third point that, that has been around for at least a generation, that it's a good idea to go actively seeking showdowns with, uh, with the enemy. The, the term generally applied to this is spiritual warfare. Uh, you may well have heard the term if you've been around the church for a bit. And it's a kind of Christianized Ghostbusters. The Bible's very clear that there are principalities and powers that are, that are evil. Bible's dead clear about that. And you'll notice that both Jesus and Paul didn't seek the conflict. They didn't go out of their way. But they didn't duck it. When, when they, the situation arose, they waited and they tackled it when it was unavoidable. There was no ghostbusters. Here's another one. And that's a common term. You hear that around and about. It's not biblical. Uh, what I'm really objecting to is the word possession. Um, if you look at the, the Greek, uh, Jesus, uh, they were never owned. They were never possessed. And if you think about it, whose best interest was it for this man to go afflicted like that? And as an aside, even the pigs seem to have had their free will as well. So how do I make that out? Well, it may make sense of, of, a, of a puzzling passage. Um, because whose interests, again, is it in for the pigs to go running down this steep slope and drown in the water. So whose interests are served by that? It's, uh, it's not the demons. They seem to like a, a warm body to be, to be in. Um, I would put it to you, I can't prove this, but I put it to you that those poor animals prefer death by drowning rather than playing host to Mr. Legion. Six. After being rescued from evil, our man wants to follow Jesus, but interestingly, Jesus says no. Instead, go and tell everybody 
what this amazing God has, has done for you, how he's had mercy on you, how he's transformed your life. So when Jesus comes into our lives, he does different things with us. Um, and it's brilliant because he individualizes it. We're not all in the same place. We're not all the same people. We need different things. We have different issues. We have different problems. Jesus will do different things and he'll treat you as an individual. So, and this is the bit that I, I really love. Because the name of Jesus is paramount. The forces of darkness really can't stand hearing the name of Jesus. And when it comes to a clash, it's a mismatch. So the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than terrified of evil. Let me repeat that. It's not scary. If we are in Christ and we belong to him, there is no need to feel sure that we're on the right side and not compromised. So I'd like to finish with, uh, with this challenge. And I'd seriously like us to think. How aware are we that we live in really understand that the earth is a battlefield and that our hearts are being fought over and that our hearts are the prize as part of the conflict whether we like it or not we have choices to make is we're soldier prisoners we can be freed if we're casualties we can be healed but actually what we need to be is soldiers. Now, the demonized man has an important lesson for us because his starting point was to run to Jesus and throw himself at Jesus' feet. And if you, if we have not done, what's it going to take? What will it take? How long are you intending to sit on the fence? Because as Fred reminded us this morning, God here this morning, as Christians, have we really got hold of the truth that we are not saved for a comfy life and a secure pension with a bit of church on the side? There's a, a guy called C.T. Studd who's uh, fairly well known, but um, he, he wrote a, a little ditty. He said, Some long run a risk, nor would they want to. We have to take our individual instructions. Uh, from Jesus, what I can say is that as a generalisation, obedience will normally take us out of our comfort zone. It really feels scary when it starts. So it might, for example, it might mean joining the welcome team when we're inherently shy. It might stand, might mean we find this us. Or it might be more life-changing because small obediences lead to larger obediences as a general rule. Uh, it might be a call to Lord. So we are built for eternity. We get 80 precious circuits of the sun. And then we, they disappear like a flash. They go by so fast. Let's take a risk this morning. Of Jesus. It's one day for him. Lived for him, beats a thousand 
lived for ourselves. Amen.